Blog Talk Radio. Memorial Day weekend is a time for remembrance and honor. And this Memorial Day weekend, we'll salute our troops like no one else. At the Coca-Cola 600, Sunday, May 27th, the most patriotic day in racing starts with an amazing pre-race concert by country superstars, the Eli Young Band. Another line in the storied history of America's home for racing, Charlotte Motor Speedway. The Coca-Cola 600, Sunday, Memorial Day weekend in Charlotte. There's nothing like it. Hi, I'm Vinny Miller, and I'm the driver of the number 01JS Expedited Trucking Chevrolet. This is Pit Stop Radio with Tim Despain. I'm Tennis Spain alongside of SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson. But at this time, we have the official Reverend of the show, Mr. Reverend Joe, out there on the West Coast. Reverend, how you doing this evening, my friend? I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm doing good. Seems like I, I say it every week, Reverend. Seems like every week I just keep getting better and better. Son of a gun. Boy, are you fooling <laughs> it. <laughs> Can we get three witnesses to that? Uh, I I know I can get one. I know I can get Susanna. I can get a couple. I can get a couple from Coosa Valley Electric. I don't know. I had to talk to him. But yeah, uh, yeah, we uh, had some big racing at Charlotte, uh, Reverend Joe. Restrictor plate. Deal. That's for sure. That was some. Re- that was some really good racing. And I, I kind of got a little aggravated listening to some of the talk shows uh, because people were calling in saying it was too slow. And darn, you know, if nobody told them. The cars were going 25, 30 miles an hour slower. They'd have never known. No, they wouldn't. It was, it was, you can't see that speed, but boy, what a difference in the racing, I think. It was. I I think NASCAR hit on something, Reverend Joe. I really do. Yeah, but you know, they, they've been doing that at, at that all-star race for years. They've been trying things because it's not a points race and whatever, and they found a lot of good stuff that way, so Let's hope it catches on. Yes, sir. I hope it does, too, Reverend. Well, let's get this party started. Yes, sir. Crank it up, Reverend. Lord, we come before you, and we thank you so much for another great day. We thank you for a great weekend of racing that we had just this past weekend, another great weekend of racing coming up. Please be with all those that are hurting. Be with all of our soldiers all over the world. Be with their families at home. Bless them and keep them safe. Be with all of those who are sick or suffering with some sort of illness. Give us all strength. Be with the entire racing community. Help us to be strong and do strong. And thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die for our sins so that we wouldn't have to. And we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, Reverend Joe. As always, great invocation. 
let everybody know where they can follow you at on social media, your website, and uh, all your Twitter stuff and the pages and stuff. I know you do a great job on uh, mine and Suzanne's <laughs> page also, but uh, thank you very much for doing that on the page. We really do appreciate it. Well, I enjoy it, and I like to spread the word wherever I can. Um, as Tim just said, you can find my daily scribblings, which is scripture, <laughs> every every day on uh, Suzanne and uh, Tim's page. Also, uh, my page is Rev Joe Bubico at, um, on Facebook. You can also look me up on my webpage at ontrackwithjesus.org or contact me, my email address, ontrackwithjesus at aol.com. And you can always call me at 951-232-7630. Everybody give Reverend Joe a call. If you have any prayer needs or anything, you'd like to help to donate to his ministry, give him a holler. Reverend Joe, thank you very much. Tell Miss Betty we said hello. And uh, have a happy Memorial Day weekend, brother. And we'll talk to you next Tuesday evening. Yep, I just want to put a quick plug in my local racetrack, which is on show Speedway, a little quarter track, a quarter mile asphalt oval that I raced at for more than 25 years. Big event last weekend with the K&N series and such. And this weekend, they've got fan appreciation uh, Saturday night, and it's $5 to get in. Can't beat that. You can't beat that with stick, Reverend Joe. Everybody listen, go out there and support your local short tracks just like we all do here, Reverend Joe. And thank you for supporting the local short tracks also. All righty. God bless you guys. We'll talk to you next week. God bless you too, Reverend. Tim, it's better we said hello. Will do. Bye-bye. All right. See you, Reverend. Official Reverend of the show there, Mr. Reverend Joe. Let's bring on, uh, I call him Mr. NASCAR, Mr. Speedway Digest, uh, CEO of SpeedwayDigest.com up in the Commonwealth of Virginia, just right outside of Richmond Raceway, my good friend, Mr. Stephen Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Stephen, how you doing tonight, brother? Well, I'm doing all right. Got a little monsoon rolling through here, but uh, beside that, um, all right. Yeah, you had uh, texted me earlier because I had texted you. Uh, FYI there, brother, I got some storms rolling in here in, uh, here in Dagon. So far, everything's go- going good. I hadn't heard no thunder and lightning, so uh, maybe we won't get knocked off here, but if if we, for some God's reason, does, uh, Stephen's right there, so I'll get back on as soon as I can. But uh, number to call in is 215-383-3681. Like I said, I'm Tim Spain here just south of the 2.66-mile monster we call Tato Super Speedway. Way the crow flies, I'm a, probably about eight miles south. And Stephen up there in Richmond, at Richmond Raceway, I keep wanting to say Richmond International Raceway, but Dennis Bickmeyer and that bunch, they uh, – they, Change the name of it, Stephen, doing all that stuff up there. They they doing a great job too. But uh, like I said, coming up here twenty after, we have uh, driver the number forty five Chevy Silverado for Nice Motorsports. Mr. Justin Fontaine will join us, and uh, we could possibly be joined by CatchFence dot com. Mr. Chris Knight. Chris is Chris follows the uh, follows sport. Does an awesome job there too. Uh, Stephen coming off this weekend. You and I text and. Uh, 
I think NASCAR hit on something, brother. Uh, the, the restrictor plate, like we talked about last week. They put on it there at uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway for the All-Star Race. Also, the roof package with the new front splitter, the uh, the rear wing, or whatever, not, I don't want to call it wing, uh, spoiler, not spoiler, the rear deck wing thing. I'm still going to call it wing, I guess, because I can't, I can't think right. But, Stephen, I think NASCAR hit on something. And I've been listening to a lot of social media stuff, and I know you have too. Listen to a lot of the fans, and a lot of the fans that I've heard call into some like SiriusXM Radio. A lot of them are saying that they really do like this package, and they want to, they want them to, to, you know, think about doing this at maybe some more mile and a half tracks. I don't think we need to do it at 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 the at these short tracks or something, but maybe some of these other mile and a half tracks. Throw the plate on them, maybe make a little bit bigger hole in it. That way, they got a little bit more speed. But what's your take on it overall, Stephen? I think it was a, I think it was a real awesome job NASCAR done for the All Star Race at Charlotte. Well, I mean, I think it's a step in the right direction at this point. Um, you know, we've seen these races at these 1.5-mile racetracks. So, you know, cleaner is, is pretty much king. You know, anybody that gets out front and starts leading this thing, you know, they they open up two, three, four, five, six seconds, you know, real quick on the rest of the field. And, uh, you know, it probably just stays like that throughout the racing event. I mean, we saw some drivers out there, Kevin Harvick, the, the eventual winner of this race, uh, which is pretty much unbeatable. Um, I don't think it would have mattered whether he had a restrict plate on this thing or not. I mean, the field was not going to catch him regardless of that fact. Um, but, you know, with this, you know, they put a they put a seven inch seven eight inch plate onto it. The two um, the two ears on that spoiler, which are about twelve inches on those ears, um, changed out the front um, radiator pan splitter area. Um, tried to punch some uh, you know some bigger holes into the air. Um, and, you know, yeah, I, I mean, it's a, it's a step in the right direction. It's a departure from what we've seen in the past at some of these events. And, uh, you know, I think it's at least a good spa- starting point for NASCAR to continue looking at what else that they can do to make sure that these races uh, are generally more competitive than we've seen in the past. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I'm necessarily in, in the camp of saying we need to put some restricted plates on them at every mile-and-a-half racetrack that we go to, but... Um, you know, I, I think that there's some, you know, there's some opportunities there to make some changes to these cars, uh, to the front areas of the cars, maybe to the spoiler areas of the car, the back deck lid and the windshield area, um, you know, try and, you know, punch some bigger holes in the air, keep, you know, keep this arrow down, um, the, you know, that's kind of, you know, really come into play over the last couple of years not only with this generation car, but the generation car before that. And, uh, you know, if they can continue improving upon this, you know, it's a non-point paying event, so it's the perfect, you know, almost test bed to put a bunch of cars out there and see what happens with different old packages. And, uh, you know, if it's something in in the future that they can work off of, then sure, I I think I could potentially go all for it. But I'm just not in the camp of saying let's slap a restricted plate on these cars uh, at every mile and a half racetrack we go to, because uh, I mean there are some racetracks, you know, like Kentucky. Kentucky has been a very competitive racetrack, um, you know, without restricted plates. And really, uh, you know, they tried the low low down force at these tracks, and, and I think it worked out real well. Um, so you know, there's some there's potential some areas in there where they can work on, and there's some areas that you know I think that you know they can take away from. But it was a perfect test bed to at least try out a new package on these 1.5 mile racetracks. I'll agree with you 100%, Stephen. Just like I was listening to Mike Bagley this morning on Sirius XM NASCAR Channel 90, he said the same thing that you said. It's a it's a good base deal, perfect time to do it, with it being a non-points race. Uh, 
event there with the all-star race there at Charlotte. Perfect time to do it. But he said, I'm not ready to jump in it like everybody wants to right now. You know, they had a lot of calls calling. So, okay, we need to do this everywhere. No, I, I'm like you, and I'm like, just like Bagman said, too. Let's, this is a good base start to look at. Look at, you know, go back and look. And, so, and you didn't really got to go back and look at tape. I can remember everything in the top of my head. That was some really good side-by-side racing. But like you said, you know, maybe with the seven-eighths plate, maybe maybe make it a little bit bigger, maybe get a little bit more speed. But I did notice in the qualifying for the uh, for the all-star race, you probably noticed it too. I think I might have texted you. You know, the pit road speed was null and void during qualifying. You know, you had to make so many laps come down pit road speed. And last year we saw with the rules package at the head, I think we seen Ryan Newman trying to get it woed up coming in the pits. He spun. There was a couple of cars spun, but it was like it sort of initiated maybe helped that entry to pit road at that high of speed. I mean, you know, which during the race we have a pit road speed, and that's going to be that. But during that qualifying deal, I think that that new rules package, like you said, with the spoiler, the the arrow, I think it helped a lot of that with them coming in a little bit hot, you know, because they – they, they normally don't do it. They do it one time a year there at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And I want to applaud Marcus Smith and Bruton there for doing that little deal there also. Because, I mean, they come down pit road get some yonders, too. Yeah, I mean, they really did. And this is something in the past that, you know, we see it at these events, in the All-Star in particular and All-Star qualifying, that, you know, these teams can come down pit road. And, you know, we were seeing teams come down pit road at 130 miles an hour. Um, you know, it's been since, you know, the late 70s or the 80s or something like that. Don't I don't remember exactly the year that NASCAR started, you know, implementing speed uh, speeds on pit road and penalizing cars for, you know, uh, for for driving over those uh, over the posted speeds. Um, and, you know, this was the norm back in the day. Uh, of NASCAR, that these teams would come down pit road wide open and, you know, through three, four, five, six pit stalls, jam on the brakes, and out, out of the box they went, you know, at full speed. Um, so it's kind of a departure back to, to the way, you know, many years ago, and it's actually something that's fun to see, but it's not something that, you know, you know we can – I don't think we need to start implementing this back into the uh, into competitive competition at all anymore. Uh, you know, there's just too many moving parts and pieces these days, and especially with the lower uh, crew count going over the wall, that, you know, it just creates, you know, a, a very dangerous situation. And, you know, we already know how racing is – inherently dangerous as it is and uh you know nascar is you know you have to applaud them over the year to uh over the years to you know uh um you know make sure that you know they remove some of that inherent danger and they do a really good job of it but it, you know it's still cool to see some of these things from the past and you know these were one of those things that you know many people grew up or are accustomed to and uh to get back to it at least for one race you know a year it's really neat to see these things I definitely agree, Steve. And to touch on your your point, you know, you had mentioned earlier the question before we were talking about this pit road stuff. You know, that that was the perfect race for for NASCAR to sort of try some new stuff with the aero package and the plates, what what have you, and and all that. Uh, the pit crews, it was the perfect time for them to sort of try something different. Did you notice how they uh, some of them pitted uh, the left side of the car before they went around to the right side? And I think a lot of that was, you know, just given giving them a time to try something different. And also I think it actually helps some of, some of the pit times with them pitting. I call it not really backers, but uh, 
twofold from what they used to pit. You know, going all the way around to the right side and then coming back. But you know, like I said, some of them started on on the left side and then went to the right side. Yeah, you know, this event is just not about you know a million dollars at the end of the day or to the winner. And I think it's about two hundred fifty, two hundred seventy-five thousand dollars second place. Um, you know, this this is a race that a lot of these teams can go out there and try some things that they hadn't tried before, some new parts, new pieces, maybe the way that they, you were just describing there on pit road with pitting the left side of the car where they traditionally have gone out and done the right side of the car first and then came back around. Um, you know, they these are all things that, you know, they're, they're not points racing. You know, they're not having to go out there and compete against the rest of the field for qualifying uh, in a format that has, you know, 20 or 25, 30 other cars on racetrack at one time. So, you know, it, it's all these different moving parts and pieces that, that, that the that the all-star race has just not just become just about the million dollars, but it also gives teams time to experiment on things. And we've heard of teams in the past experimenting with uh, various different pieces of equipment or parts or, you know, a new setup on a car that they wouldn't try in a points-paying race or even in the Coke 600 or when they come back in the fall in the Bank of America 500. And it just gives, you know, them some notebook to work on and maybe to adjust on and maybe just give them that time to go and just try anything and throw it really all out the window and just kind of have a little bit of fun with it instead of just every week trying to, you know, race those points on the racetrack. And Stephen, here short here here quick before we have Justin come on, I want to throw this this question at you. I know I think you and I we have discussed this situation for I don't know, probably two or three years. A lot of the fans have brought it up. Uh, should NASCAR move the All Star race from Charlotte Motor Speedway and spread it around to other different tracks? My opinion, no, I don't think they should because Charlotte is you know that's where all the teams are and it's sort of there. Not really their off time, but they're but they're downtime. They're they're right there at the at the track. They can go back and forth, stay at home. What is your opinion, Stephen? Is, should NASCAR move the off star race around, or should we leave it where it's at, Charlotte Motor Speedway? Well, years ago they did move the all star race down to, to Atlanta, and they try that one time, but. You know, this has traditionally been a race that, you know, all the hometown, the crews, the the people working in the shops, the friends, all the people that go and watch this on TV week in and week out or just don't get to go to the racetrack, this is for them also at the same time. And, you know, I wish they would bring back some of these different competitions that they've had in the past, like the Pit Crew Challenge or the Hall of Driver Challenge. You know, some of these different things that they've done in the past. Uh, you know, they're they're um, they're they're these are things that you know have always been fun about this and what makes this race the All Star race. You know, I, I know that you know the the Pro Bowl they move that around and uh, um, you know they've moved that around several different times. The All the the All Star game in the, in, in baseball is in Washington D.C. this year. They move that around. But you know these these are you know these are teams that you know uh, sometimes you know they they work in the shop all day long and build these cars and then they only get to watch them on TV, uh, you know they only get to watch them on TV on a on a given weekend and I think that's really just uh, you know an opportunity for all these people to get out there and just watch their product right on the racetrack, at the racetrack themselves and not just on TV. And Steve, bring up a great point also. Uh, your stick and ball sports, like you mentioned, you know they they move the Pro Bowl around. They move the uh, well the uh, 
the uh, All-Star game, I think, with uh, Major League Baseball, I think they moved that around somewhat to whatever, you know, whatever league. No, that's the uh, – oh, crap. Anyway, to get back to my point, Stephen, uh, they – it's not really – it's more of a team – in the NASCAR side of it, I guess what I'm what I'm getting at, as far as moving the uh, the offshore race from Charlotte, just like you mentioned, everything's right there downtown Charlotte, where all the team shops are. They get to come home, they're right there Memorial Day weekend and hang out and all that. But Stephen, uh, let's go ahead and bring on our uh, our guest tonight, uh, driver number 45, Chevy Silverado, for Nice Motorsports and Natural Temper World Truck Series, Mr. Justin Fontaine. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Let's get ready to rumble! Justin, how you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good, Justin. Thank you for taking time to call in. We really do appreciate it. Hey, it's no problem. Glad to be here. Good. Justin, I want I got a couple questions and I'm gonna hand you over to SpeedwayDigest.com with Mr. Stephen Wilson. back when you first started racing, you started racing like quarter midgets and stuff up in North Carolina and you sort of raced with some of the some of the big name people too. I think you raced against Harrison Burton and you know, some of them. Can you talk a little bit about how you started and what really made you go to where you're going? And, you know, it's, I know it's a big honor for you to be racing full time in the NASCAR Camp World Truck Series. Just sort of let our listeners know a little bit about how, how you got started, Justin, if you, if you would. Well, you know, you're, you're right. I started in quarter midgets, uh, and I actually did, I didn't ever race with Harrison, but I, I was around kind of when he was in quarter midgets as well. And, um, at that point, it was kind of just uh, a hobby. You know, we, we I still had to, to plan my racing around summer vacation stuff with the family. I wasn't racing full-time. I was just doing it as a hobby with my dad. And, um, you know, after the first couple of years of doing that, you know, he saw that it was something that I was really, really passionate for. And um, kind of with each successive year, whether it was mini cup, uh, four cylinders, or late models, he, he kind of became more invested in it and, and uh, by the time we got into late models, it was a full-time you know, deal racing at Kingsport Speedway. And then um, we kind of parlayed that into an opportunity in the K&M Series. And then that kind of worked itself into the ARCA Series and, and now the uh, the Truck Series. And, Justin, you also raced some in the some of the ARCA Racing Series also and, uh, and back in 2017. And then you moved from there to uh, to Nice Motorsports. Now I, re- I remember watching this. You had that you had that bad wreck down there at Daytona. Did you did you think you would ever get back in a race car again after you, after you had that accident? Well, you know, it was always it was always a plan to get back in a race car for sure. You know, obviously the doctors were very strict about what I was and wasn't allowed to do for the three months that I was out. Um, you know, I wasn't really allowed to do any heavy lifting or anything like that. I had that kind of a very strict uh, lifestyle there for three months of, of just a lot of rest and, and was very careful with what I could and couldn't do. Um, but, you know, in my mind, I was always going to get back in the race car regardless of how long it took. You know, we're 
or, or you know whatever I needed to do to get back in. Uh, and fortunately, the injury was was not severe enough where I was out of the car for you know an entire year or was out of it indefinitely. You know, I was able to uh, get healthy again and, and and work my way back into a race car, and it's, it's all been been good ever since. And Justin, my final question before I hand you over to to Stephen, you're running for the Rookie of the Year candidate this year uh, with Nice Motorsports. You're 13th in the championship points. You've been running really, really well all 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 season. What do you think it's going to take to make it to the uh, to the uh, chase or the playoffs like they call them now in in NASCAR Camper World Truck Series? Um, well, for us, you know, we we need to focus on being consistent. You know, we we really didn't put a lot of emphasis on being in the playoffs at this stage of the of the season. You know, it would have been great to be up there, but uh, for me, you know, being a very inexperienced driver, you know, this is, I don't think I've only done up until now about nine or ten truck series races so far. So. Um, you know, this is this is still a developmental deal, and you know, trying to get me get me laps. You know, so right now we're focusing on right. that and trying to finish every race. And uh, if you looked at Charlotte, that wasn't a very good example on my part of how to finish a race. Um, but we're we're getting there. We're slowly kind of putting this thing together. So uh, right now we're looking at getting laps, and hopefully towards the second half of the year we can kind of retrain our focus towards getting those stage points and, and maybe trying to fight our way into the playoffs. You, know, you never know with some of these racetracks who. Uh, who can come out on top? So we're going to keep digging. I think that um, you, know, you give us the time, we'll, we'll definitely be a playoff team at some point. You know, hopefully, hopefully sooner rather than later. Justin, thanks again for coming on, and I look forward to seeing you at the truck race here at Talladega. And uh, I want to introduce you to that big pork chop that Russell Brown and them feed the media here. Justin, that thing—I don't know if you if you've seen it. I've got to get you one of them pork chops, buddy. Well, I, I look forward to that. that. That sounds good to me. All right, Justin, thanks again, brother, and good luck on the rest of the season. I'm hanging you over, Steve. All right, thanks, sir. You're welcome. Justin, thanks a lot. I appreciate you taking the time to come on here today to talk to us. You you, you know, as Tim already said, you're, the, you're running for the rookie of the year, but you're a rookie in the Camp World Truck Series for a fairly new team for these motorsports. Talk about how you guys are trying to work together, not only as a new team, but as a rookie coming up into the sport, to not only build the team, but build yourself as a driver. I know you, you've talked about getting laughs and seat time, but, you know, they, as any rookie coming into the sport, there's a lot of hurdles sometimes, and there's a lot of trials and tribulations, and there's a lot of advice that people give you along the way. So what are you, what are you doing, and what are you, are you working with the team right now to try and not only get better, but work at it? as a driver to get better each and every week? Well, I think for, for me right now, the biggest thing is, is, is getting better at, at communication and, and really working, you know, as one team. And I think this, well, our group right now, like you said, is we're, we're fairly young, you know, as an organization, you know, you've only got one year under our belt. Uh, and last year uh, it was kind of a toes wet year for them last year. So this is really our first official, you know, really making a run at it type of year. So, um, I think the biggest thing for us is, is, is nailing down our communication. This is the first year I've worked with my crew chief, Daryl Moreau, and um, my first time working with a lot of these guys just in general. So getting that communication down, getting that teamwork down, and, uh, you know, for me as a driver, you know, I need to stay physically in shape and uh, on top of it and, and, and making sure that I can uh, get in these trucks and, and drive them to the best of my ability. And uh, I think so far this year we've done a pretty good job of that for a new team that hasn't ever, you know, worked together before. I think we've done a good job of, of you know, gelling and, and working together and, and bringing this team, you know, hopefully to the next level. 
Yeah, as a rookie, you you get to get get out there and sometimes race against some of the other drivers in the sport, such as uh, either Kyle Busch or you know Bubba Wallace or Austin Dillon, several who have already come into the Campbell Truck Series this year. How much have you reached out to them to talk to them, you know, as drivers that have been through this series, some of them that are champions in their own right in the series, and uh, you know, just not only them particularly, but others that are more veteran in the sport uh, around you. Well, we've been really fortunate to have uh, uh, T.J. Bell uh, working with us. He drove for them last year basically full-time, and um, he's kind of stuck around, you know, with the team, and he, he still works kind of hand-in-hand with uh, our GM, Cody Ifa, and um, you know, he'll come in the shop quite a bit. So well, we have a, a little bit of a veteran presence in him. And um, at the racetrack, you know, I, I really just try to find, you know, guys like, you know, Matt Crafton or something like that, to, you know, if I need help. Or Charlotte, for example, I talked to Timothy Peters for a little bit about, um, certain things to, you know, to, to help me get around the racetrack. And um, I think that having that veteran presence in the series has been really good, you know, just as a, a way to bounce ideas off of these guys because they've, you know, they've run thousands of laps in these racetracks. And it, and it helps someone like me who's never been to them, um, you know, pick them up a little bit quicker. And uh, it's it's been helpful to have that presence for sure. A lot of drivers out there, we always hear about them, uh, and some of their extracurricular activities. Many times we always hear about them getting your pilot's license, but you've done something unique. Um, you've become an ordained minister, uh, and you're hoping that potentially one day that you may be involved in, in either way, uh, having a wedding there at the racetrack, performing marriages there at the racetrack. Talk about how that kind of came along, and uh, you know what was your inspiration for that? Well, I mean, if you want the honest answer, man, I was I was just bored one day. And uh, I was kind of, you know, me, me and my friend, uh, one, of, one of my friends from Asheville, she was joking about getting married and all that stuff. And um, I, out of curiosity from that conversation I had with her, I, I looked to see what it would take to, to become an ordained minister. And there was a, uh, a deal uh, online. It was called the American Marriage Ministries. And, and they, it was like a two-minute uh, deal to, uh, you know, to get ordained real quick. And, um, it was it was pretty funny. I did it I did a little bit of it as a joke, but yeah, obviously if there's somebody at the racetrack who's, who's going out with their girlfriend or something like that and they want to get married at the racetrack, I, hopefully I'd be their first call to, to help them see that happen. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I don't know if you've ever met uh, uh, Roger Curtis, who used to be the president up there at um, Michigan International Speedway or not, but uh, he since left there. But it won, he, he did this in victory lane multiple times he was actually an ordained minister himself that he would go out there and perform weddings before the weekend so you know it's kind of always interesting to see some of some of these uh you know not only drivers but you know people around the track because you know you you're right some people just kind of take and joke about oh yeah i'd like to get married at the racetrack or what would it take and you know now they've got a now they've got an end so we'll uh, make sure that they get to call you up and <laughs> have you uh perform those well, that'd be good, man. That'd be good. You know, if, there, if there's a fan out there who wants it done, man, I'd, I'd, I'd love to help out. And the last question that I have for you is, is that talk about just your rest of your season. What do, what do you feel as a rookie throughout the rest of your season that you personally are looking to co- accomplish? What is the bar that you've set for yourself or set for the team to to accomplish before the end of this year? I think for me personally, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to hopefully stay in the top 15 and driver points, you know, throughout the, throughout the entire year. I, I, I 
I think that's a reasonable bar that we set for ourselves is to be around that top 15 mark. Um, you know, I think quite honestly, this is probably one of the toughest truck fields that's out there right now. I and mean, we've got the really great Thor sport trucks, TMS trucks, KBM trucks, all running, you know, at one time this year. And it's, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty intense competition. So, um, you know, for me being as inexperienced as I am, you know, I want to be, I want to shoot for that top 15, you know, obviously, um, you know, you can never say never when it comes to the playoffs or things like that because you just never know at some of these races what can happen, you know, um, and, and you can back your way into the playoffs or, or, or point your way into the playoffs and um, and be there. So um, that's something that we have in, that we have in the back of our mind. But for me personally, and I, I want to run as many laps as possible, if not every lap, you know, for the rest of the year. Obviously, Charlotte, we wrecked out off of a mistake that I made and uh, we didn't get to finish the race. So uh, from here on out, you know, I want to run as, as many of the laps as I can and um, and, and be as big of a factor as, as we can within reason. And, um, you know, if we can be in that top 15, you know, top 10 area, I think that'd be a great accomplishment for this team being a second year organization. So uh, that's kind of why I have my bar set and, you know, hopefully we can, we can continue to achieve that. Well, Justin, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here tonight to talk about you, your rookie season there at these motorsports. But before we let you go, we're going to give you the floor to, Thank your sponsors. Thank the people around you that have made this all possible for you. Let everybody know how they can follow you out on social media. And um, thanks a lot, and good luck throughout the rest of the 2018 campaign. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, and obviously, you know, I'd love to give a shout-out to Promatic Automation, uh, Superior Essex, uh, Nice Motorsports, all those guys. And if you all want to you know, give me a follow, we're on uh, uh, Twitter, at Driver Fontaine, and uh, you can just type in my full name on uh, Facebook and find me there as well. So, uh, we're on all the social medias, and you can look us up, give us a follow, and we'll we'll be updating that you know daily, and uh, we'll let you know how our season's going uh, throughout the year. Great, thanks a lot, Justin. Good luck throughout the rest of the year. Hey, thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Justin. Hey, no problem. Justin Fontaine, there, driver of the number 45 Chevy Silverado there for uh, Nice Motorsports, handles himself really well. And I bring this up every week, Saban. You know, a lot of the a lot of the drivers, they have to go through that deal, you know, with the media stuff and talk to everybody. But uh, you brought up a really good question. And uh, he is an ordained minister, Stephen, an ordained minister, and is wanting to do weddings at racetracks. You know, we see a lot of that go on on social media. Uh these couples they want to get married to actually bring that up um you and i got the pr from charlotte there's a couple there for the 600 it's their 50th wedding anniversary they're on their honeymoon their 50th honeymoon that they're coming back i think they got married in 1968 they're coming back to charlotte for 50 years Stephen. i mean some of these fans like them and like justin that wants to be a part of that 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 makes a big show for the driver for is the NASCAR series. He wants to be part of doing some weddings and stuff. I think it's pretty neat, but Yeah, you know, we we always talk about drivers and drivers getting closer to the fans or being, you know, on that side of the fence with the fans and, and, and being more engaged with the fans. And these are ways that they, you know, they do it. And Justin is doing it in his own in his own way. I'm sure he's got other ways, but, you know, this is just something that, you know, a lot of people, he's right. But sometimes a lot of people just joke about this, you know, let's get married at the racetrack, that'd be fun, you know, whatever the case, just, you know, in passing. 
But then, you know, there's a lot of people that actually go in there and they do this, and that's why I brought up Roger Curtis, the, the, the old president there at Michigan International Speedway Group, because he was one also himself and performed multiple of them um, in his tenure there at the track. So, uh, you know, it's just all part about being the experience there, not only just the track, but the officials at the track or drivers that want to be a part of this. And we've seen drivers, you know, pop into some of these victory lane uh, weddings too at the same time, you know, just because they want to be a part of it. They want to get in on the fun. And, you know, it's, it's just all about connecting back with that fan. Exactly, Stephen. And change the subject a little bit. Uh, coming up here, uh, we got we got plenty of time to let you know I moved the show up an hour and a half just in case we went over because I didn't know if Chris Knight was going to call also. But uh, Donald Trump, President of the United States of America, invited Martin Truex Jr., Sherry Pollock, that whole team there, Joe Garoni, they all went up and met with the President. Did you get to watch any of that, Stephen? And just sort of touch on how much that means to the sport, uh, not only to Martin Truex Jr., but to uh, NASCAR, to the Francis and everything, getting that national exposure. I think it's pretty neat that they always invite the uh, the uh, Monster Engine NASCAR Cup Series champion to the White House. Yeah, you know, the I didn't get to watch a bunch of it. I didn't realize that it was even occurring until the day that it happened and some people were posting about it through, um, uh, you know, uh, they, they, they were, they were, they were posting about it on social media. So, uh, you know, it's actually, it's, it's good that we're getting the national exposure like that because some sites and some national media that would not normally cover the sport or even mention the sport, uh, it gets a, it gets a mention it, uh, you know, they get to go there. They get to be the champion, not only just at the end of the season or, you know, uh, uh, you know, at a banquet somewhere. They actually get to go and uh, be a champion there in front of the United States. The, the president takes them, visits with them, the team, uh, the series officials. So, you know, it's good for the series and all. And uh, I think it's, you know, it just gives a uh, – it just gives them – the opportunity to go out there and talk, uh, you know, get some more exposure for, for NASCAR in general. That's right. And, you know, you and I, we had got the email to uh, attend that to RSVP back, and I'm pretty sure you've seen um, your average Tom, Dick, and Harry is not going to get to go to that event there at the White House. There was a list of stuff that you would have had to fill out if you and I were we're going to go far as I'm pretty sure security and everything going in the white house there. I seen our friend Jerry, Jerry Jordan was there. There was a bunch of them there. And, uh, but it was, it was a, to able to be able to go to that and cover it as a media member. It was, it was going to be tough. You just, I had to put your whole family history down to even be able to go, Steve. <laughs> yeah. I, I, in the past, I've, I've, I've seen those applications and, you know, you can go through secret service and various different things. And, you know, it's, uh, uh, I'll tell you this. I got to meet the governor of Virginia, uh, right. I guess, about two months ago or something like that with Richmond Raceway. Uh, they had this thing up there uh, with the governor of Virginia. Uh, and and I, I didn't have to go through, uh, uh, you know, to be honest, I really didn't have to go through, you know, ho- uh, much of what these, you know, what the media and what everybody that's going to the White House has to go through. 
Um, but uh, you know, it is still cool to go and meet some of these uh, some of these elected officials, some of these people that you know are you know some of them are passionate about the sport. Um, you know, the the president has made mention several times about you know being you know passionate about the sport, about you know following the sport to some degree. So you know, um, you know, when you can get people like that that's you know watching or listening or you know willing to bring you in and actually you know the brand more. Um, it's always it's always good, I think. Exactly. Stephen, if I can, let me go ahead and stir the pot a little bit, brother. Uh, I know you didn't get to listen to it, but uh, when Donald Trump was introducing uh, the the uh, 2017 NASCAR 2016 Monster Engine NASCAR Cup Series champion, he was talking about uh, about the national anthem. And I'm probably going to stir some feathers, but people, I really don't give a crap, you know what I'm saying. But he said. Uh, when you look in the stands at a NASCAR race, there is every fan, every person in the infant. Donald Trump said this on Fox News. Everybody stands for the national anthem. And I want some of our listeners, uh, you know, if you disagree with me, uh, <laughs> you got my social media account, uh, and I'm not going to throw it over on, uh, on Stephen because this is my uh, statement, but uh, I think that meant a lot coming from Donald Trump to all of us NASCAR fans and media stuff, Stephen. Yeah, I mean he's right. You know, we are probably one of the uh you know, one of the last few remaining sports that, you know, this occurs at each and every week. Um, you know, it's one of the sports that, you know, also has the prayer before it and and does it live on T V every week. It's not something that you see in other national sports. Um, you'll get to see it this weekend in the Indianapolis 500, but, you know, the norm in national sports is, is not really to show these things. Um, but NASCAR has done this since the beginning. And I, I think it, it means a lot to the fans. It means a lot to people at home. Um, you know, not everybody's going to agree with it. Not everybody's going to stand. Maybe not everybody's going to, you know, pray, whatever the case is, you know, and everybody has the right to do so, one way or the other, whatever you want to do. Um, but, you know, it's, it's something that's, you know, not a norm these days, and it's good to see NASCAR still uh, doing this on a weekly basis. Amen, Stephen. And I... Uh... Had debated on bringing that up, but I want to go ahead and bring it up. And uh, to the listeners that don't agree with me, you can follow me, uh, Tim Spain, on Facebook, at TD Lyman, on Twitter. And if you got a grab about it, send it to me, and we'll discuss it. But that's just the way Stephen and I feel. That's the way we were brought up. And uh, that's our right. Who has a right not to do it. we got a right to do it. Stephen, uh, we talked last week, uh, the rear window brace on the 42 car. I know we talked about all that. And since we have discussed that, uh, uh, then it was a, we had, uh, Scott Miller. I heard Scott Miller on the morning show with, uh, with, uh, Baglin, everybody. And they were discussing that they might make this a bigger penalty for this window brace infraction that a lot of teams have done. Kyle Larson, Kevin Harvick, that they've got popped on in uh, in the in the post race inspection, they can make it bigger than the L one penalty. Do you think Scott Miller and them are gonna the next person that makes this mistake like Kyle Larson did 
at uh, Kansas, do you think they're going to make an example out of someone and go ahead and pop them with maybe a higher level penalty and more money, more points? But just like just like Bagley said, he said, you know, these teams have got so much money, Stephen. It that you know hit me for twenty thousand dollars. That's pocket change to you, or some of them. But if they get away with it, they've done something. Um, you know, we're a third of the way through the season. We've seen this continue to happen on multiple different teams uh, since since the 2018 campaign has started. Um, you know, it, it's kind of like bringing your car to inspection. And, you know, here we are again, one third of the way through the season, and we're still having issues with cars presenting themselves and failing inspection three times and being sent back to the garage. Um, you know, NASCAR's got to get this under control. Uh, NASCAR, if they're going to start invoking these stronger penalties, you know, they've warned the team. I think that they've had enough warning. Um, they they need to present these cars and ensure, ensure that the cars that they're not only presenting, but, you know, race four or five or 600 miles with, um, is built to the specifications in the rule book. We had the rule book for a reason. Um, some people might say that the rule book is a little too long. There's too many rules. Um, but for every rule that's in the rule book, they're in there, you know, for a reason. Somebody has done something. Somebody's figured out a, a way around something. Somebody has read the gray areas of the rule book somewhere or read between the lines. And, uh, um, you know, NASCAR has either had to change the rules, change, change the penalties, or you know, uh, whatever the case is. But, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, NASCAR is well within the rights. I think that they've worn the teams enough. Um, the teams should be presenting cars and racing cars that conform to the to the rule book. Uh, I'm sure, you know, things can happen. And, you know, uh, you know, we've seen we've seen things happen to race cars that um you know, uh uh, they fail apart or, you know, something like that. And, you know, sometimes it's just a racing deal, but, you know, it's not like it's been a single team. It's been multiple teams. And uh, whether it's the supplier themselves that's that's applying the braces and the teams themselves that are intentionally uh, um, manufacturing them in a way that they're designed to fail or they're designed to do something outside of what the goal book is, I think it's just, you know, NASCAR is going to start catching on. Hopefully they start seeing these things. And if it does come down to it and they start penalizing the teams, the teams need to realize that, you know, they, 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 they broke the rules um, and they need to pay the fine. Um, and sometimes those can be very costly in the aspect of uh, Kyle Larson, who was the most recent, he got 20 points taken away from him. Um, you know, 20 points, you know, with the new, the way, the way the new points are, you know, that can be a lot. Um and that can be a lot to come back from. But, you know, we're early enough in the season that we can see that Larson can make those points back up and, uh, you know, potentially be in the chase. But, you know, I just think, you know, it's just a long-winded way of saying that, yeah, um, if NASCAR does it, the teams um, the teams uh, have done it to themselves. It's kind of like some of the other things, like the, like the air guns that they were spending tens of thousands of dollars on that NASCAR had to bring back under control. Exactly, and to add to your point too, sir Stephen, I know I'm, I'm gonna get you on the soap, but on the soapbox also, Tony Stewart mentioned uh, back when all this lug nut deals going on, 
You know, it seems leaving one, two, sometimes three lug nuts off the car. Tony Stewart made the statement that uh, it was a safety issue. <laughs> when he made that statement as a safety issue, NASCAR should have cracking down on that too, bud. You got to watch what you say, in you, brother. Yeah, sometimes you do. And, you know, Tony Stewart was exactly right into that because NASCAR, you know, the team said that, you know, they wanted some leeway. They want to be able to police themselves. And then, you know, it went fine for a while. But then, you know, when that one team starts not putting that load nut on, then, every, you know, the other 39 teams, they follow suit. And when that one team starts putting three lug nuts, I mean, three lug nuts, uh, sorry, two lug nuts on, then everybody starts following suit. And, uh, you know, there, it just goes down the line until we we, see, we saw tires falling off cars, and it was becoming dangerous, uh, not only for the driver themselves, but other drivers that are on the racetrack that unintentionally um, were damaged because of it. And uh, NASCAR had to bring that back in, and uh, they did rightfully so. Um, you need to – it's just like you driving down the car, driving your car down the street. You're not going to drive your car down the street with one lug nut on the car because, you know, it it saves you $5 worth of, you know, uh, labor charges. Um, you know, you, nobody's going to be stupid enough to do that. And, you know, NASCAR kind of, you know, reined this back in. You know, it was a safety issue. Tony Stewart was exactly right. And Tony Stewart, you know, for most people that know Tony Stewart, you know, he's not exactly been – you know, the biggest fan of NASCAR and some of their changes. He's uh, talked about various different other subjects, and uh, he's been fined by NASCAR for various subjects. But, you know, um, that, hey, he, he was exactly right, and um, NASCAR took it to heart, and they made the changes, and I think they did the right thing. And I'm going to let our listeners know Stephen Wilson is exactly right. You're not going to drive your passenger car down the road with one lug nut on it especially if you're riding with Stephen Wilson or his wife, Anne Marie, because Suzanne and I have rode with both of them, <laughs> and both of them drive like a bat out of hell. I ain't going to lie. And I would not ride with Stephen Wilson with one lug I do good to ride with him with four lug nuts on, y'all, but with, with one lug nut, no. I ain't getting in the car with him. I, I just want to throw it out there, brother. Come here, because you, you go ahead and get us where we're going. I like it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, sometimes I tend to see have a, a lead foot, and, uh, yeah, so, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I know it. i just going to carry on there, brother, because I, I definitely appreciate you driving everywhere we've went whenever we've come up and seen y'all at Richmond, Martinville, and all that. See, we're coming up here on top of the hour. I don't know if we have any breaking news out of NASCAR. Like I said, I was having uh, some technical issues earlier. I barely got back on to call in. Uh I don't know if there's any penalties coming down after the All-Star race, but uh, coming up here on the Coke 600 weekend, brother, it's going to be a big race, Memorial Day weekend that we always love there at uh, at Charlotte. And we also have the the Indianapolis 500 coming up, too. And before you let everybody know the uh, schedule and everything for this weekend, I know you have added uh, added one of our good friends to the SD family, uh, Mr. Tom Marquis. He covers everything there for Speedway Digest at – Indy, and he's been doing a great job, Stephen. I want to give a big shout-out to, to Tom. You can follow him there at uh, the Balance Sports Radio Network, Tom Marquis, real good guy up there. You and I have been on his radio show, but uh, good job on picking him, Stephen. He's been doing a great job at Indy. He's been up there every day fighting through like us media folks do and getting and getting information. 
Yeah, Tom's been, uh, this is my second year uh, bringing Tom on for the, the Indy Grand Prix and the Indianapolis 500. And I'm a bit of a, every other week or so, contributor on a show to NASCAR. And, uh, you know, he's uh, come over to help us out to cover the 102nd running of the Indianapolis 500 um, and the Indianapolis Grand Prix. So, uh, yeah, a lot of good stuff been coming from him. Uh, he's got, uh, he, he, I think he's got a friend of his up there also that's been taking some photos for him, and uh, they've all been uh, working together to bring up just a ton of coverage out of Indianapolis over the last couple of weeks in the month of May. Yeah, sounds good, brother. You know, I've been on Tom's show also, which, you know, I don't have that that much time, which I know you don't neither, but uh, everybody followed uh Follow Tom Marquis there also uh, on the Twitter, uh, the Balanced Sports Talk radio show, Stephen there, and everything going on there at Indy. And we got a big weekend coming up, Stephen, which I I don't know if you've seen the seen the weather, but we're probably going to be drenched here. Oh, I got my kid. Mr. Sharpie's done coming here. Mr. Sharpie, go on. Uh, we're probably <laughs> going to get some rain here in Talladega, so uh, I don't know if I'm going to be at a barbecue or nothing, so that means I'll be tied up in the house and uh, trying to watch the Indy 500 and the Coke 600 and all that, and the Arca Series, they're going to be up there too, Stephen. Do you have a look? I'll put you on the spot every week, brother. You you got you got all the TV times and stuff for this weekend. Yeah, i got a whole bunch of stuff going on this weekend out there, um, so I'm going to jump a little bit back and forth between uh, – you know, both Indianapolis and Charlotte, um, you know, because they kind of coincide with one another. Uh, Thursday, uh, no, sorry, uh, not Thursday, Friday, sorry. <laughs> Friday at Charlotte Motor Speedway, 7 to 15 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series qualifying out there, and the ARCA Series makes their return to Charlotte Motor Speedway. And uh, it's been about just a little under two decades or so since they've been there to to Charlotte Motor Speedway. Nine o'clock for them. Uh, the General Tire 150, 100 laps, 150 miles for them. Then on Saturday, we've got NASCAR Xfinity Series qualifying from Charlotte Motor Speedway to be followed uh, just a little after one o'clock. Uh, 200 laps, 300 miles for them for the uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series. Jumping over here to Indianapolis, um, we have the uh, Longest day in racing, it starts with Monaco in the morning, Formula One. I uh, don't have the times for them, so uh, you know, I'm sure somebody can look that up where uh, to watch and what time they'll be on. But uh, Monaco in the morning, uh, just after uh, 11, uh, 50 a.m. Eastern Time, uh, command to start your engines. Oh, sorry. Um, no, flyover <laughs> pre-race, um, just arrive up. Sorry, about 11.50 um, a.m. Uh, pre-race, TAPS, God Bless America, National Anthem, etc. Um, then at 12.12 uh, 12 p.m., uh, drivers start your engines. And at 12.19, green flag for the 102nd running of the Indianapolis 500, 200 laps for them around the 2.5-mile Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Then NASCAR's longest night at Charlotte Motor Speedway, the Coca-Cola 600, 400 laps, 600 miles, just like last year, there will be four stages at 100, 200, 300, and 400. They will assign and give away points for the first three stages uh, instead of two. Um, so that's what's going on this weekend, a lot of racing. 
Take a breath, brother. Good job. Thank you very much. Yeah, big weekend. Oh, and uh, oh, and uh, let, let, let me I'll, let me throw this out. Um, after 54 years of coverage of the Indianapolis 500, ABC Sports and ESPN will uh, sign off and hand the reins over to NBC starting in 2019. I'm glad you brought that up. I forgot about it. I was thinking about it earlier, and I think from what I've heard, it was like a a couple of billion-dollar deal. Am I right, Stephen? Yeah, a fair amount of money has exchanged hands to make <laughs> this happen, that NBC, NBCSN will be the home for um, – any car racing after the conclusion of the 2018 season. So what you're saying, if you and I put up a buck and a quarter, we probably couldn't have got it, huh? No, I don't think so. We we, we <laughs> may not have. Uh, we might not even been able to afford one second of coverage. <laughs> All right, brother. Let's let's go ahead and jump out of here. I want to let you. Uh, I want to let, you let everybody know where they can follow you on social media, your website. Uh, y'all give Stephen a follow. He's just right outside of Richmond Raceway there in uh, the Commonwealth of Virginia. Stephen, let everybody know where they can follow you on social media, your website. But I'm playing with Mister Sharpie. He's asking mm-hmm. a fool. <laughs> you can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com forward slash Speedway Digest, and SpeedwayDigest.com. Uh, as Tim, you've already said, uh, we've got Tom Marquis. He's going to be there all weekend long for the 102nd running of the Indianapolis 500. Uh, you can follow him, Balance Sports Radio Network. And uh, they're in Charlotte, 600 miles um, from uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway here on Memorial Day weekend. Uh, I've got Matthew Jackson. He's going to be covering everything. He covered everything for us last weekend for the All-Star and Truck Series. Um, so follow him. His uh, his work will be up on our website throughout the week and throughout the weekend. Sounds good, brother. And, Stephen, I want to thank you. I want to thank Anne-Marie. Thank the boys for everything that y'all do for us also. I want to thank uh, Justin Fontaine for coming on the show tonight. And thank Nice Motorsports. I want to give uh, Chris Knight a big shout-out. I know you said Chris Knight was a big was a big deal with uh, getting Justin on, and I want to thank him for taking time to come out. On the show, and to let everybody know, next Tuesday evening, uh, more than likely, we're going to have uh, my good friend, Mr. Corbin Forster from uh, Cedartown, Georgia. He's running the uh, the uh, X-Men Series race this weekend at, at Charlotte. We're going to have uh, Corbin Forster on. Uh, he was wanting to come on last time, last week, Stephen, but, you know, we made a little bit of arrangements and stuff. But uh, next week, we're going to have Corbin Forster. Remember, call us 215 You can follow me at... Uh, TD Lyman on Twitter, the Pit Stop Radio, and everything. Just follow us. We are your number one coverage for motorsports. Stephen, thank you, my friend, and we'll talk to you next weekend. If I don't, I mean, not next weekend, next Tuesday night, if I don't talk to you this weekend, I'm pretty sure I talk to you this weekend. Tell AM and the boys, we said hello and good night from Dagan Nation and uh, the Commonwealth of Virginia, right there where Stephen Wilson is. Talk to you next week on the Pit Stop with Timmy Spain and Stephen Wilson. Here we come, come with me, there's a world out there that we should see, take my hand, close your
yours if you really want it. Got got a jet pack with your name on it. Above the clouds in the atmosphere. To say the words and we out of here. Hold my hand if you feel scared. We're flying up, up, out of here. Here we go. Driver of the number 76 Grunt Style Chevy Camaro, and listen to the pit stop with Tim Despain. <laughs> 